Welcome to Healthy Habits Happy Moms Radio, where we are all about helping you find balance in food, fitness, and family 365 days a year with your hosts, Jennifer Campbell, Lauren Kosky, and Annie Breeze. Welcome to Healthy Habits Happy Moms Radio. I'm your host, Annie. Before we jump into today's topic, I'd love to invite you to tag us on Instagram at balance365life of a photo of you listening to this episode. We're giving away some awesome prizes as a thank you to our loyal listeners. All right, let's get going. Did you know the average American makes four to five dieting attempts a year? If that's you, that means every few months you might be starting and stopping a new diet or a diet you've tried before. Jen, Lauren, and I have been there many times. And while those diets may have resulted in weight loss or fat loss in the short term, ultimately they were all unsuccessful in the long term. The good news, it's not you. There are five steps of the diet cycle. And on today's episode, we discuss those steps and how they keep you trapped in the cycle of dieting. And most importantly, how to break the cycle of the on again, off again diet. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, ladies. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Lauren, what are you up to? Um, just starting my week. It's Tuesday, my first day of childcare, so just getting going. Exciting. Jen, how are you? Good. Good. What are you up to? <laughs> um, you ask me this every podcast, and I'm usually – it's first thing in the morning for me, so I'm always just starting my podcast. Um, always well, the same I've answer. Been- I've been up for like yeah. six hours. So, hey, can oh, you um, tell us about your weekend really quick? Like, give me, g- give us a little 30 second review as I think it's really cool. The conference I was at? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I was at a conference last week called MetaBridge and it connects CEOs and founders um, with mentors and investors. So I went there. Um, feeling really nervous and um, I was kind of reading the guest list and seeing some of the high level CEOs that were going to be there and feeling like uh, and I really didn't want to go but um, pushed myself out of my comfort zone and went and had the greatest time and got advice about growing Balance 365 from just some really high level people that you I don't know you wouldn't talk to otherwise like um I was telling you guys before we started that um, I was in one session and the co-founder of Shopify was there giving me advice about our company. And it was like, that was surreal. So really glad I went there. It was really male heavy. um, And, you know, there was just so many reasons that I felt intimidated, but... Um, I just feel like I really owned it and, Yay. and I'm really proud of myself. Yay, we're proud of you too. Yay. <laughs> yeah, so I hope we go next year and I hope you guys come with me because it was awesome. Yeah, it looks super fun. The pictures that you were sending were so pretty and it just looked like a really great group of people to be around. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful location. It's in Kelowna, BC. And um, yeah, just really inspiring to be around other people similar to us that are kind of a startup starting their company, have, you know, missions to change the world. And there was just really good energy. And um, yeah, as business owners, I think it's important to do that um, every once in a while, because you kind of get in your little zone and you're running your own company. And and um, you kind of forget too about the value of um, troubleshooting with other people who have been there. And I remember one woman reminded us in one of our sessions that there are no wrong answers. There's just different ways of doing things and doing what works for your company. And I was like, that sounds like Balance 365. <laughs> <laughs> Did you raise your hand? Um, I have a program that's really similar. <laughs> The other thing is that I got really, I got really used to everyone you talked to would, um, you'd introduce yourself and then they would ask you what your company is all about. And so I had a name tag that said Jennifer Campbell, Balance 365. And so I got a lot of practice talking about our company, which is, you know, which really helps you own what we do. And, you know, because imagine talking to, you know, a bunch of men, like a middle-aged men <laughs> CEOs 
talking to them about a women's health and wellness program that is about the mindset shift and, and why it's so important. And sometimes that feels intimidating because, you know, I've been in that situation before, whether it's, you know, on an airplane or, or, you know, neighbors, whatever, people in the schoolyard. And I'm all, I always sort of dread it because I feel like we have such a deep and meaningful mission that it is, that's maybe hard for men to connect with, but I really owned it. And every single person I talked to could connect with what we're doing. So as soon as, you know, I would give my spiel, we're a um, behavior change, health and wellness program for women. Um, and then I would get into our why, like why we're doing this and the patterns we see in the world and what the research is showing and how we think we can make an impact. And the thing is, doesn't matter if you are male, female, what your stage of life is, what your age is, um, they've seen it. They've either seen it in their own families. You know, these men might've seen it. They might see it in themselves. They might see it in their families with their wives, their daughters, or somewhere else. I mean, everybody is impacted by diet culture. And I saw a lot of light bulbs going off and I had some really good feedback about our company and what we're doing. There was a lot of support there. And yeah, I was just really proud, proud of us. Good job. Way to way to represent. Thank you. You killed it. <laughs> and I want to go back, mainly because the day excursion sounded super fun, too. She was, like, posting pictures on a yacht, and I was like, I thought you yeah, were Yeah, I got to do a yacht tour. So everybody on the second day in the morning is, like, everyone gets to do um, an activity, and I got, I got booked on the yacht, and we had three hours out on the lake, beautiful weather. There was three yachts. We cruised for a while and then they kind of everyone kind of came together and was boat hopping and visiting and they were serving uh, mimosas and fruit and croissants it was awesome so and then there was other things like people were going um playing hockey <laughs> and helicopter rides um excavating so like driving heavy machinery just think of all these like these CEOs from all over Canada um and and the states as well just, you know, signing up for activities. And I was just laughing because (laughs) it was totally. And because, um, my dad's a farmer and heavy equipment is sort of like, you know, kind of whatever to me, but there was all these, (laughs) these CEOs and founders that were like, I'm doing the excavating. I can't wait. I'm going to drive it back home. And (laughs) I was like, that's, that's, yeah, that's so unexciting to me, but you could see they were like kids. It was so funny. I would have been in for the hockey and I would have been like, let's go. You would own it, and definitely if we go back next year, I would like you to sign up for that activity. You would be the only female, and you would own it, and uh, I'm going to remember this, and this is what we're doing next year. That's Just, it. I need a mouth I need a mouth guard and a helmet. I don't want to hurt my yeah, moneymaker, and, my and face. And you're playing with <laughs> – and the games are played with N, um, ex-NHL players, so – Oh, well. <laughs> Maybe I should learn to skate really well first. <laughs> I'm no Nancy Kerrigan. Anyways, okay, let's get uh, onto this topic because I think it's a great topic. It's um, kind of a cycle that we see come up in our community a lot, and that is the cycle of a diet, the dieting cycle, um, this on again, off again, on the wagon, off the wagon sort of cycle that seems to repeat itself over and over and over, especially in our in women in our community, and. Um, I'm going to have to grab where I got this stat from, but on average, as I mentioned in the intro, the average American makes four to five dieting attempts a year. And I know I've been there. I'm thankfully not there anymore, but I have definitely been there before where every couple months or so you're starting and stopping a new diet or you're trying something that you tried in the past that maybe you had had success with for a couple months or a couple weeks and then you fall off the wagon and kind of do whatever you want, get a case of the screw-its as we call it in Balance 365 and then you start the cycle all over again. And what we've noticed are some steps. There's actually five steps to this pattern that seem to be pretty cohesive, regardless of what diet you're doing. There are elements that are there and we want to share what those steps are in the cycle of a diet and how to move past them. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Yeah. I mean, we, we see this a lot though, right? What we're going to talk about today in the community. Yeah, every day. 
every day. So step one, uh, the cycle of a diet usually starts off with negative thoughts or a desire to change your body. And we see this a lot. What usually happens, which we just discussed in our last podcast, uh, Jen, on or a couple co- podcasts ago, what to do when you hate photos of yourself. Yeah. Um, that can be a really, really big trigger to start a diet. You see this photo, it, it, uh, triggers feelings of shame or embarrassment about your body. And your reaction is to go on a diet, fix your body. Right. Um, you know, it's summer now. So a swimsuit season in full blast, we see a lot of people expressing, discomfort or shame about their body in their swimsuit. And um, again, that can trigger feelings of wanting to diet, wanting to change your eating habits, wanting to change your exercise habits. And step two is you begin the diet, which Lauren, you want to share what usually happens when people diet? Uh, They cut out everything they consider quote unquote bad out of their diet all at once. Just no more. Yeah, we're just gonna we're gonna change all the things right yeah. now, and we restrict, which is step two. You, like you said, you take out the bad foods. So, for me in the past, that's been like usually I'm gonna stop drinking, no more alcohol, no more sweets, no more eating out, and yeah. I'm gonna reduce calories as little as possible. Have you tried that, Jen? Um, several times. <laughs> <laughs> every every March through my twenties. What, why go, March? It was go time. Because that's, yeah, so I think a lot of people start thinking about their summer body, um, kind of like February, March-ish, you know, and and every, you know, in January, of course, there's the New Year's resolutions, and then, as we know, people usually tank their New Year's resolutions, and then in March, all the stores start coming out with their bathing suits, and spring wear, summer wear, people maybe are trying on clothes, or whatever it is, or thinking about their planning their holidays, and... Um, it's not just, you know, not just seeing pictures, but I think just the, just looking at summer clothes and just the thought of being, having less clothing covering your body can trigger people to want to, you know, want to be smaller and go on a diet. Or, I mean, even if you just pick up a magazine, you know, at the end cap of the grocery store, all the marketing is talking about getting a bikini body, getting a summer body, losing weight, um, staying thin throughout the summer when you're dealing with barbecues and graduation parties and vacations. And I mean, there's, it's really heavy on the marketing to get that quote unquote summer body, which just makes me cringe a little bit when I say that actually not a little bit, a lot, but Um, yeah. So, okay. Step one, negative thoughts about your body or desire to change your body. Step two, as you begin the diet, as Lauren says, you start taking out all the foods you are heavy on the restriction. And this is when I say you, I'm just talking about, um, in general, this is what a lot of people tend to do when they want to make those changes is they restrict calories, they restrict food groups, they restrict food. And Uh, they, not only do they restrict um, their food, they ramp up the exercise. So it's like mm-hmm. a double whammy. It's like, let's take down what we're bringing in and let's ramp up what we're putting out. Yeah. Yep. And for me, it always used to be the search for the next new miracle diet, right? Like every year there was like a new thing that was going to just cure the me. secret. Like, yeah, the, the new secret. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Step three, though, after you do all those things is deprivation. You realize really quickly that life is just kind of sad. Life sucks without the foods you love. Um, Maybe you're engaged in this, as Jen said, super intense exercise routine. Um, You can't enjoy birthday cake at your kid's birthday. You can't enjoy drinks with the girlfriends because you said all these foods are off limit. And you realize, like, that's just not fun. (laughs) Like, right. I, that's it's not, not, no. And it, and it kind of makes me sad that people think that that's the only way. And I used to be one of them. I used, right. to, I used yeah. to think that I had to be so intense, so disciplined or nothing at all. So mm-hmm. I actually had a lot of practice this past week, um, explaining that concept to people. Um, when I talked about our company and I said, imagine a person is either unhappy with their health, uh, their wellness or their weight. Um, what are their options? Their options are can, to keep going down the path that they're on, which they're not happy with, or 
what is their other option? It's to start a diet. Like that really is the only thing our society culture has presented as an option. So people are either not changing or they're trying to change everything. And we're saying and trying to be that option in the middle that says you can change (laughs) and you can um, pursue health, wellness, and weight loss in a more balanced way. There is another option. So. That's us. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, yes, absolutely, and we'll and we'll get into that in a little bit about when we talk about how to break the cycle of the diet. But so we've got step one, step two, step three is the deprivation. Step four is after you realize that life sucks without the food you love, you overeat or you uh, kind of quote unquote fall off the wagon. You quit the diet and you. Uh, eat all the foods that you said were off limit, um, off limits, or that you didn't, weren't supposed to have, or weren't allowing yourself to have, or maybe you just include more calories if you were just generally restricting, or as Jen said, you stop the intense exercise routine. Um, and there's actually a lot of research that we've talked about many times, especially on the Minnesota starvation. Uh, podcast episode that food restriction is likely to lead to preoccupation and obsession with food. And we're not talking about, um, you know, binging, like binge eating disorder that obviously deserves uh, professional help, but we're talking about the overeating that follows um, self-imposed deprivation. And uh, we've talked about it before the pink or pink pink polar bear effect that, you know, if we say pizza is off limits, I know I cannot stop thinking about pizza. It's like that I've right. said before, that bad boy in high school that my parents said I wasn't supposed to date. Like I wanted to date him even more when they said I couldn't date him. Um, and that's not just you lacking self-discipline or you lacking willpower. There's there's research behind that to promote it. Do you right. guys notice that in your past? Have you... Uh, desired foods that you said were off limits more so than if you would have otherwise? Oh yeah. I, I used to be obsessed with ice cream um, because that was always like, it's like the, my most favorite dessert. And so whenever I was dieting, it was the thing that was the worst and I cut it out and it just led to years and years of basically being obsessed with ice cream and it became a food that I couldn't even keep in the house or I was, I couldn't stop thinking about it or binge eating on it. Um, and I just want to let everyone know that today I can have, I can have ice cream in my house for months and I'm not getting through a tub where I used to, (laughs) I used to buy it on Friday and it would be gone on Sunday. Um, and that's how I lived. And it's so crazy to me still sometimes that I can forget about ice cream. Yeah. Mine used to be sweets and like fried foods, like French fries, like give me all the French fries. Yeah. And I want to mention too, on step four, this overeating. So we've got like the biological response to restriction. And then we've also got the psychological response to restriction. So it's like they both come together in this step. And I don't know anyone who has just had enough willpower to overcome that. You know what I mean? Like it, it will, it gets you. (laughs) Right. So um, the other way I've explained it before is, um, so why can't we hold our breath until we die? Like, why can't we? Our system overrides our brain. Right. So we have a system that overrides our brain that makes us gasp for a breath. And the same is true with under eating or self-imposed, like starvation or semi-starvation. We have systems in place that will override our, you know, our self-control basically. And there will be a pendulum swing and then we will overeat just like we will gasp for breath and like, you know, and breathe very, very deeply. Um, Right. You're, yeah, you're not. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what happens when people are restricting and chronically under eating. How have I never heard you share that analogy before? That is an amazing comparison. Well, um, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because I just want to say that it's in, it's in chapter one of our program. (laughs) Also in the hunger workbook. (laughs) Wow. I didn't want to call you out. I was like, um, (laughs) Wow. I clearly wasn't paying that close of attention. 
<laughs> that's amazing. Okay. Like, yeah, it is I love amazing. That. Okay. Our program is amazing. And I haven't read it. <laughs> well, I, I know our program is amazing. I just clearly haven't read it. Uh, there's a closely. lot of there's some great information in our program just like that and that help people understand their bodies and their, you know, biological and psychological reactions. Um so I can understand, you know, we it's just we miss things. That's okay, Annie. I got you. Thanks. That's why there's three of us. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Usually two of us know what's going on and the other one's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> okay, so um, there's one more step here in this cycle, but as a quick review, we've got step one is the feelings of uh, shame, negativity, embarrassment, a desire to change your body. Step two is you begin the diet. You try to fix the things that you hate about your body. Step three is... Um, you, deprivation, you you realize that after you've begun this diet where you've restricted all these foods, uh, food groups, you've limited calories, you realize pretty quickly that life sucks without the foods that you love and enjoy. So step four is following that deprivation is you overeat uh, naturally, as we just discussed, that's often a natural reaction, an innate reaction. And then step five is after you overeat, you feel bad about overeating because oftentimes we feel bad that we couldn't stick to the plan that we had set for ourselves, whether we came up with it or someone else, maybe a professional came, uh, came up with it and gave it to us that we feel bad that we lack the self-discipline and the willpower and the drive to stick to this plan. Um, despite the desire to want to change and we beat ourselves up and we rinse and repeat. So that shame just carries right back over to step one and we start another diet. So you can see how this cycle really just rinse and repeats over and over and over again, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's basically you bounce back and forth. So it's basically you overeat then you and overeating leads you to want to undereat. You undereat, and that leads you back to overeating, and it's just back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, and um, I think you know, I I love I love the fitness industry. Um, a lot of aspects of the fitness industry, I obviously love our company and our brand and our program. What I don't love about our industry is a lot of times the message about. Uh, dieting like this is that you just need more discipline right. that, you know, no excuses, shut up, head down, stick to your routine. You just need to do it. Uh, quit complaining. It's this really kind of hardcore, um, lack compassion, lack empathy sort of response. Right. And our viewpoint is, um, that if you look at it backwards, if you look at that cycle backwards, it gives a completely different story. And that we would argue that you overate cause you felt deprived. You felt deprived because you were restricted. You were restricting because you felt like your only option was to start a diet as Jen said. And that's why reason number one, this cycle, uh, um, is failed or flawed to begin with is diets don't work because they're just too restrictive, which Jen is what you were talking about, that the only two options are not to either eat whatever you want or start mm -hmm. a diet. There's options in the middle, which is where we come right. in. And it's a much more moderate approach where you can have foods you love without heavy restriction. And you can do this for life, not just for a couple months as yes. statistics would and show. Can, and it's just in a way that's less stressful to you physically and mentally. And like our program takes people through this step by step and it we don't throw everything at you at once. Absolutely. And, um, that's, you know, step two is where we feel like this cycle is flawed is that even if diets claim that they aren't restrictive, which I think is kind of the um, marketing point, I would say, about if it fits your macros. There's there's um, several diets know. right now that are trying to hop on board the lifestyle change bandwagon. And yeah. we're trying to – we've been talking about it in our Facebook community, and we're trying to get people to be quite savvy um, and a little bit more savvy on what is a diet and what is a – 
lifestyle change so that they can start identifying different marketing um, slogans because a lot of it just comes down to marketing. And if you're, and I think what marketers are marketers of big diet companies are realizing is that um, diet people are over diets. They're over it. We're seeing the research. There's enough noise out there now to say. Um, that they don't work. So people are starting to shift their mindsets a bit, looking for lifestyle changes. But these diets are just being repurposed and repackaged <laughs> as lifestyle yeah, just, changes. They're re- yeah, but they're still diets. Yeah, they're just getting like, um, what's the phrase? They're uh, wolf in sheep's clothing. Exactly. Yep. Uh, they're just dressed up a little bit differently. And um, that kind of walks us right into uh, reason two that this diet don't work and this diet cycle is bound to fail you is that they don't address our habits, which I think is really what sets our program apart from so many other programs out on the market today is that when you look at, um, you know, people ask about meal plans a lot, meal plans and exercise plans. And... um the we get often asked often if we have meal plans or if we offer meal plans and we don't and there's a number of reasons for that but when you look at the habits required to implement a meal plan uh you have to grocery shop you have to food prep you have to cook meals you have to eat the meals then maybe you have to track the meals that you ate not to mention all the habits that you might have to cut out to implement that meal plan like you might have to reduce your soda you might have to reduce your alcohol cut out sweets maybe change your coffee um and then you often have expectations of exercise on top of that we're talking about 10 habits if not more yeah. To implement just a meal plan and exercise routine. And I know that that's um, a lot of times that's sold as people like that's the secret, you know, right, Lauren? Like that's what you were talking about earlier. Like yeah. if, I, if someone just told me what to do, I could do it, right? right. Like, just and it's give like, me what to do and I'll just follow your plan. Right. And, and, but yet so many people fail. And why is that? Well, I mean, because when you break it down from a behavior change standpoint, when you're looking at all the habits required to implement a meal plan, to implement an exercise routine, and then the habits that you might have to reduce or decrease or eliminate, that's a lot of habits that you're trying to change almost overnight. And Lauren, do you want to share the statistics about habit change? We, we covered these in the Habits 101 podcast, but can you share that statistic about if you change one thing at a time? Yeah. So changing one thing at a time, um, it has shown that if you just pick one habit to change, your success rate will be right around 80%. Um, if you try and change two things, it drops from 80 to about 30%. And three, three changes at the same time um, makes it close to zero. And so each change that you add on top of it just reduces your chance of sticking with all of those habits further and further. Yeah. So like I said, when we break those down for a meal plan and exercise routine, and you're talking about 10 habits and Lauren just shared, you know, statistically speaking, if you change three times, three things at a time, you're close to zero. It's no wonder people struggle to implement something as simple or perceived as simple as a meal plan and an exercise routine. And you know what? The good news here is that it's not you. Right. <laughs> this is, right. this is, this is the diet's fault. This is the plan's yeah, fault. This is universal across, across every person. <laughs> like very few people are succeeding at this. You're not alone. And, and the yeah. people who do succeed at diets, right? Cause 95% statistically fail. And that means that 5% succeed. And it's, it's still not the diet. It's that that person actually did change their behaviors. And, and we don't know, you know, because all of this needs further study, but how, how far away were their behaviors in the first place from right. what the diet was recommending? So we don't know. The other thing that I do want to say is that just on sort of the more body positive side is that a lot of people who are making it in the fitness industry and making it in the nutrition industry or weight loss industry, they already were genetically predisposed to having a thinner body. Right. And it's sort of like people have to understand sort of the big kind of system here. Like there are people of very different body sizes. Like we all come in a range of sizes. And, but what happens is it's really 
only thin people <laughs> making it in the fitness and weight loss industry. Um, and that's just, you know, just because of society's fat phobia and all those different reasons, or maybe larger people are less, less likely to be entering the fitness or, or weight loss industry, um, just because they don't feel it's an inclusive space, which it isn't. Um, <laughs> and so I remember when I first, um, started on social media with my blog, like this is like, like, 2013, so a long time ago. Um, and I was doing what a lot of other women did after they had babies. I was posting like before and after photos, um, just, you know, here is me pregnant, and then here is me one month postpartum, two months postpartum, three months postpartum. And I started getting a flood of messages and emails through my website from women asking me what I was doing. Um, one woman asked me if I could detail what I eat in a day, um, just stuff that I was very uncomfortable with. And I thought something is wrong here or they wanted my exercise regime. What was I doing? And the thing is, I wasn't really doing anything special. <laughs> I was, um, I was, I was wrestling with some body image stuff at that time, which I've blogged all about and talked about, um, you know, with in our company. But um, I really was trying to stabilize my habits. I was trying to do more restorative exercise, being that I was postpartum, and um, just actually trying to stay alive because I had three kids under four. And so that was actually just my body's normal, natural reaction. I also have a thin body, which I'm really open with. And I realized at that very point that that some women choose to capitalize on the opportunity they have because they have a thin body and they know people will listen to them. I will also add to that, too, that I think sometimes it's unconscious, too. Like there are women who just have that body type that assume it's because of their diet and exercise habits. Absolutely. And some right. of it is, but, um, so I guess, um, if you have heard your whole life that your body is amazing and you must do something special and people asking, Hey, what do you do? What do you do? Which I have been asked my whole life from my first memory of that was nine years old, um, which I've shared in previous podcasts. You, you do start to feel like an expert. Right. Like I used to give out diet advice like crazy to, and we talked about this on my, the sister's podcast. I would give that advice to my sister who has a very, very different body type than me. And she shared that she felt her whole life she was doing something wrong because she couldn't look like me. And I will admit now that I thought she was doing something wrong as well because, you know, we were just both very conditioned by the diet and wellness industry to think that everybody can be thin if they just try hard enough. And we know that that is not true. Well, and we see that a lot too, that um, people often assume that my experience will also be their experience right? Uh, or, or vice versa, or, you know, that's, we've talked about that. I'll have what she's having um, kind of fat loss plan or weight loss plan. And it just, it doesn't work like that. And that's, you know, that kind of really angers me, not even kind of, it really angers me about our industry that people who have lost weight are now perceived experts and willingly giving advice to other people. And it's just, it's quite irresponsible yeah, and, I think and, and dangerous. Another thing that makes um, our program unique is that we realize that you are the only expert in your body, right? Like we can't tell you what's going to be the best for your body. We can give you the guidelines and what the research says, but really you need to figure that out for yourself. And we're not going to be able to tell you exactly what to eat to get there. An example of that, and also on the exercise front, an example of that, that um, I hope people understand and I compare Annie and I a lot because <laughs> Annie and I actually have, we do have similar bodies in one regard in that Annie and I are both tall and we both have three children. Um, and, um, our body composition is, is different. Um, and our bodies look very different. Um, and Annie loves to exercise, <laughs> like loves it. <laughs> and 
I, I just don't like, I mean, not like, I mean, I like exercise, but I'm like Annie, like you just, you like can't get her out of a gym (laughs) because she loves it. And I have found, I have like a tipping point. If I am at the, if I am strength training more than three times a week, I just know, like, that's just like my tipping point of when the enjoyability drops off. And sometimes it's twice a week and sometimes it's once a week and sometimes it's zero depending how busy I am. But for Annie, like she's pretty steady. She's in the gym four to five times a week. Is that right, Annie? Yeah, about that. Right. But if you didn't enjoy it, could you really spend like some, like that amount of time? Like think of something you really don't enjoy, like eating no. liver. Like would you sit down and eat liver five times a week? You know, that's just not sustainable for no, you, No, that, right? sounds, that sounds terrible. And I've, and I've tried to do that with diets and exercise before. I've tried to force down my throat, like running, for example, I just don't like running. So get me to run four or five times a week. Like I am digging my heels in the entire way. Get me to lift or do some like kettlebell work, some sweaty Metcon work four to five times a week. I'm in totally, totally down for that. So what, you know, what we always say, what, you know, what Lauren was trying to say there was, you know, our recommendation is, you know, we have guidelines and recommendations, but it has to come down to you're the boss of your body and you have to find things you enjoy. If you don't enjoy it, it's not sustainable. It's not going to become a healthy habit for you. It's something you're going to wrestle with, fight with forever until you eventually quit and feel guilty, rinse and repeat it. That's the, that's the exercise cycle. I know we're talking about the diet cycle here, but there's also sort of an exercise cycle. Um, but So we're telling women to, they have to figure out what they enjoy and what's going to work with them, work for them long term. And I get to like different things than Annie. And as long as that comes from a place of um, self-love, self-care, inner wellness, then you will find that. If you are constantly, constantly looking externally, how can I look like this woman? You know, how can I look like Annie? I'm going to do what she's doing so that I can look like her. In our experience, that is just one of the most unsustainable paths you can take in your health and wellness journey. Yeah, and I want to make it really clear that there is unlimited ways to be healthy. Like just because the three of us are all relatively healthy, we all have different lifestyles. We all eat differently. We all have different, slightly different um, habits. And it doesn't mean that any of us are right or wrong. And, you know, there's a lot of ways to be healthy and you don't need to find the one way for like that will work for everyone. Absolutely. And I think the the second part of that, that once you find that way is, um, and I've had to grow into this, but owning that this is my way and this was what works for me and I'm going to keep my eyes on my own plate, keep my eyes on my own workout program and Lauren can do Lauren and Jen can do Jen and, and other women can do whatever they want, but this is what works for me. This is what makes me feel good. And, um, it can be easy to kind of be distracted by something shiny when, you know, someone new pops up and they've got something that they're raving about or they've had success with, or they're really enjoying to get distracted. And, um, you might, you know, kind of maybe test waters elsewhere, but ultimately I always come back to some really core elements of my lifestyle. And that's really some basic foundational habits of exercise and eating that work well for me. And they're slightly different than what works for Lauren. And they're slightly different than what works for Jen. And if you see the three of us together, it's, um, kind of funny, <laughs> like just like how we eat and how we build our meals. Like the elements are kind of there, but they're all just slight twists. Yeah. And I right. think it's, it's easy to look at someone else and then feel badly about what you're doing. Like I could look at Annie and say, like, she's in the gym four to five times a week. Like I haven't been to the gym in two years. Like what's right. wrong with me? But it's like, no, like I just had a baby. I don't, love going to the gym. I do some things at home and there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with Annie's way either. Right. The other thing is, um, to own, um, the results slash consequences of doing the things you love. So, um, Annie has a rock and bod. We all know it. She has super big muscles. Everybody loves her when she posts a Flex Friday photo. She gets like <laughs> 20,000 likes on it. Like, but here's the thing. I can look at 
Annie's body um, and her discipline to the gym and all of that and admire that and know it's not for me. But I also need to own that I don't have rock and guns like Annie and just be okay with that. And that's honestly been a process for me inside of our company as I worked with you guys for the last three and a half years because Annie and I are both trainers and I know Annie has the stereo, not story, not tip, sorry, Annie, not the stereotypical trainer body, but you do have that, you know, people want to work with you because like a lot of them, I mean, obviously you're amazing in your spirit and all of that. Sorry, it's but fine. I'm you not, have I'm a not body offended. that women want. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Where I maybe don't. And so, um, and think about women in even larger bodies, like, um, you know, trainers who are, um, you know, have more body fat than you and I think how hard it is for them to even prove themselves in the fitness industry because it's such an appearance-focused industry, but they could be the most amazing trainers with their masters in exercise physiology and all of that, um, but it's just such an appearance-focused industry. But anyways, the point I was trying to make is just own own where you're at. There used to be this meme that would go around the internet within the fitness industry, and it had a marathoner next to a sprinter and it was like showing their different body types and then basically what trainers were doing you know it was kind of when I think there's been like a cardio revolt in the fitness industry so it's like you should be lifting and and all of this and, uh, and you have to say it in that voice too you yeah, lifting, lifting. lifting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys love me I'm hilarious so and so but that's just another way of body shaming so so and trying to tell people to do something that's appearance based rather than what's best for them. So what if what if I like running? So what if I do have a runner's body? And do you know what I mean? So I'm far better off doing my running. Okay, I have a runner's body. If I'm enjoying that, getting the results I want, then I'm going to be okay with that because when you're trying to get me to be in the gym four to five times a week and not do any running, I'm, I'm then unhappy and I miss my running. And so do you see what I'm saying here? Like you Absolutely. have to own the results of own the results of the activities that you want to do. And that's why it's very difficult. It's very difficult for me to understand why people continue to make their exercise choices based on the appearance based results because we know it's not sustainable if they don't enjoy it. So they will get to enjoy the result, the results of how their appearance has changed. But if it's not sustainable and they quit doing it, their appearance is just going to change again. You know, if they stop lifting, they're going to lose those muscles. If they stop running, they're going to they're going to lose their marathon or body <laughs> that's been shamed all over the internet. But and I think um, you know what I'm saying here? Yeah, I think there's a, a sort of piece that comes with that when you come to that realization that like, yeah, I could do X, Y, Z to look a little bit more like X, Y, Z, you know, fill in the blanks with whatever you're, you're, you're evaluating here. But knowing that I'm not really interested in making the changes required to achieve those results. And I'm totally okay with that. Like that's, that's, I feel like that's a really kind of inner peace that that provides that you don't have to shame yourself. You don't have to beat yourself up. You don't have to um, berate yourself for not being disciplined and wanting to do those things. It's just a matter of like, yeah, I could do that, but I'm not willing or interested or, I don't enjoy making those changes for whatever reason. And I'm okay with that. And, exactly. and then, and that's enough. Like that's enough. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We have women in balance 365. When, if we ping this back to nutrition, um, because you know, we have nutrition guidelines, um, keynote keyword here, guidelines inside balance 365, um, flexible guidelines that you can try make work for your life. And, if women are going through our guidelines, what we tell them is every habit that we introduce, every strategy is a choice. You can choose to use it if it works for your life. You can scale it up or scale it down, or you can choose to not use it at all. That is your choice. But when we have women in our program, so some women come to us for sort of the food freedom and you know being calm around food and they don't have any weight loss goals, and then other women have they have fat loss goals when they join our program. And if I were to be coaching a woman, this is that we get into this all the time. She 
She's made the changes that she feels she wants to and is able to make right now, and but she hasn't lost as much weight as she wants to, and she's frustrated, yet she doesn't want to make any more changes. Yet she's frustrated. Yet she doesn't want to make any more changes. And she's frustrated. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, back and forth. And at some point, you have to say, can you just own where you're at right now? Can you just be okay with where your body's at because you've done the best for you and this is the results of that. And it doesn't mean, you know, our bodies are ever changing. So it doesn't mean you're always going to look like this. You're never going to lose the weight you want. You're, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, just let's just be okay with what we're doing right now and know that this is a journey that is going to be, you know, lifelong. Right. Absolutely. And that's okay. Like that's, it's a-okay to say like, I don't really want to put forth the effort to make any additional change to my body right now or right. my health that, or my exercise right and now. that's okay. Right. That's and okay. that's exactly where I am at. I will just own that. I'm busy running our company. I'm super happy with my very moderate nutrition and exercise habits. And I have a total mom bod that I love. <laughs> I feel, I feel the same way. Like I'm coasting right now and it feels good. Like yeah, it, it's requiring minimal best. energy to maintain. And I love that. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I could, where I'm at right now, I feel I could be my whole life and the rest of my life. And um, that's actually where we want to get people to in Balance 365 because nutrition and exercise and things, I mean, that's the point of a habit, right? Habits go on in the background. They happen automatically. And so, you know, you're we're trying to get women to understand that nutrition and exercise, their life doesn't have to revolve around that. You can spend some time working on habit change. You can do it in the way we do it, which is very systematically, so it doesn't require all of your time and energy. Um, and then you eventually get to a point where you're coasting. And we did a podcast with Sarah Cole, if anyone wants to go back and listen to it. Sarah Cole has been a member um, with us for a year and a half. She has um, done a complete mindset change. She's worked on changing her habits. She's lost 50 pounds. And um, she is active in our group, our community, a little bit, but but not as much as she used to be. And she pops back in to say to hello to everyone and update them on how she's doing. But what she says is, we've taught her how to fish. She doesn't like, and she's out there just living her life and not thinking about um, nutrition anymore, not thinking about exercise, not body shaming herself. She's just living her life and it's so freeing and we are so happy for her. And that's exactly where we're, we are trying to take people to. Absolutely. And, and that kind of walks us into the third reason uh, this diet cycle is bound to fail is because it oftentimes encourages this all or nothing thinking, which we talk so much about in Balance 365 and leaves you with little to no support. And, um, you know, oftentimes going back to that meal plan or exercise routine example, uh, what happens when you hit a roadblock on that? Is there someone who can help you? Is there someone that can answer questions? Um, I think this is key. Is there someone that will um, help you find answers to those questions that won't make you feel silly for struggling or even asking those questions in the first place? And, um, you know, like, okay, so you can't follow the plan that they gave you is your only other option to just be not on the plan. If that's the case, I don't think that's like that. I'm not okay with that solution. Those, those two extremes, as Jen mentioned at the beginning of the show here are like, that is not your only two places to live. And we've talked about this a lot of times in balance 365, that so many of us are living, are trying to live our lives, um, either on the plan or not the plan, you're either following it perfectly or you say, screw it, you're on the wagon, off the wagon, all or nothing, black, white, right, wrong, um, that if you can live most of your life in that gray zone and between those two, you're going to find a lot, a lot of progress. And that this extreme thinking of this perfect or failure on or off is one of the number one reasons that keep people from making any progress at all. Um, and like I said, in between those two options lies a whole continuum of choices that you can make at any given time. And if you can live most of your life in that gray area, just maybe doing a little bit better or something else slightly different instead of perfect, um, can be really beneficial. And in fact, one of our balance 365 members, uh, helped us coin the term instead of all or nothing, she came up with all or something, which has been so valuable to our community. So if you can't right. do everything perfectly, which none of us can, 
um, what can you do? Can you do something? Um, because in our experience, progress right. is not required to make, or excuse me, perfection is not required to make progress, especially in Balance 365. Amen. Right. Amen. <laughs> that I was said, perfect. I don't know what else to say. I, I said it all. Huh? Um, and you know, okay. So the one thing I'm going to go rogue here for a little bit. Um, the other reason I want to say diet cycles, this diet cycle is bound to fail you is that it relies on feeling crummy about your body to work in the first mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. And once you realize that you can make changes for your body from a place of love and respect, it's a whole new ball game that you can feed yourself because you're worthy, that you can exercise because you want to take care of your body, because you want it to be, um, because it deserves the love and the care and the respect, not because you hate it and you're so full of self-loathing and disgust. Like, that that totally changes your perspective. Like I'm eating because I love my body versus I'm not eating or I'm eating things because I hate my body. Like game changer. Um, the other thing, I mean, I mean, I believe strongly that we have to, we have to, as a society, start to view our health and wellness choices from a place of self-care. And what happens when you are, say, a busy working mom, you are super stressed out, and you believe, or or say you do actually have a fairly balanced habit of working out three times a week. Um, but what happens when your life is just like imploding as busy moms do, does some weeks, um, like at the end of the school year, like right now, like mine. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and I mean, self-care and and looking at your life um, and your decisions for what you do day in and day out from a place of self-care allows you to also back off of things like working out. Like I recognize right now that um, working out, um, getting to the gym three times a week isn't realistic for me and would, would stress me out more than I, more than it's worth. And that and so so when you're not looking at it from a place of self care, if you're looking at, at it from a shame based place or a an appearance based place or a more is better based place, you will stress yourself out so much trying to check all those boxes that you you really aren't looking at your health objectively and doing what is actually right for you. So sometimes it's not more, sometimes it's less, and that is what's better for your health this week at this time in your life. Right. And that brings um, up something for me that you wrote somewhere. I I apologize. I don't remember um, where it was, but it really struck me. It was um, you need to trust that what feels good for you is good for you. And if it feels bad, that's a sign that maybe that's not right for you. And I know some people are thinking, well, eating ice cream all day is going is what's going to feel good for me. And I challenge you to try that because I can guarantee you that eventually that is not going to feel good for you. So if you truly right. like put that diet mindset aside and really listen, eating ice cream all day every day doesn't actually feel good. Right. And pushing yourself when you're already stressed out to do a hard workout also really doesn't feel good. You know, like right. maybe taking a walk feels good or doing some yoga or just taking a nap. Yeah. So what I did yesterday, I was at my son's soccer game and my two younger boys were playing at the playground um, next to the soccer field. And I went and played tag with them for a little while. And then I did laps around the playground while they continued to um well, they continued to play tag, and that was my all or something. I'm probably not going to make it to the gym this week, and and that's A-OK. We're super busy, but um, there's other things I can do, and I can be proud of that. I can be proud that I'm caring for my body um, in a more restorative, gentler way because I'm very stressed out right now and heavy lifting, which heavy lifting is very taxing to a person's nervous system, and you need to be able to recover from that and get a good amount of sleep to recover from that. Um, that just maybe not be the best choice for me this week. But I'm still moving my body and caring for myself. And that's also something we've talked about in our uh, Balance 365 program, that the pursuit of physical health or such a passionate pursuit for physical health or um, the appearance of physical health 
uh, can cost you social and emotional health. And we would right. argue that that's not a, a really well-rounded picture of health. If it's cost, if it's costing you mental, um, social, emotional wellness, that it's not wellness, that that's unbalanced. We talk so much in Balance 365 about sleep and stress management. Because back to the whole mentality of more is better, our society just, we just like, you know, we hold, we like, we just praise all these people that do more, 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 but there's consequences to that. And that's that our stress levels are off the charts and we're not sleeping. And we have women, you know, that often talk about maybe they're new moms and they're up in the night and their life is so busy and it's, you know, and they're very stressed, but they got up, they got up at 5am this morning and they did their workout. And then we'll have, you know, a round of applause from women around the world. But I would argue that, that in that moment, is that the best choice for you? If you just got four hours of broken sleep and you could have slept for two more hours, but you're going to get up and instead do a workout, is that really better for you holistically? Yeah, but you know why the fitness industry isn't telling women just to sleep more is because they can't make money off of that. Exactly. <laughs> but but we that, do. <laughs> that is what that is one of the <laughs> That's one of our foundations. <laughs> it is. It is. But if we put out a program that was like fat loss 101, sleep more. <laughs> right. <laughs> Give us a right. hundred dollars. <laughs> that, right. That's it. <laughs> but they can definitely shame you into exercising more. Absolutely. And you know, like, and I think this is just one of those things that you kind of come to a realization on your own time and you can hear this, but until you actually experience, you don't fully believe it. But if you think, and I've tried, I tried for decades. If you think I can, you can just beat yourself up and shame yourself and guilt yourself. And one day you're going to wake up and all of a sudden love your body love yourself after all this fat loss, weight loss, change, whatever. Um, I would disagree. I, I would say that's not been my experience. That's not been the experience of a lot of women that, um, you can start making change from a place of love and compassion and respect now that you don't have to beat yourself up. Um, and if that's your ultimate goal is to love and respect and appreciate your body and, and yourself and as a whole, um, that you can do that now that you don't have to try to do that through shame. You can also have a thin body and feel like crap. You can do all those things. You can go on four hours of sleep. You can eat next to nothing. You can exercise every single day while sacrificing your sleep and your sanity. You can have a small body and you will feel like crap 23 hours and 45 minutes of the day and the only time you're actually feeling good is those 15 minutes when you are looking at your reflection and seeing that you have lost weight or posting to social media and getting all the rounds of applause from your friends for being so dedicated but the rest of the time of your life you are going to feel like crap and you're going to wonder why because the diet industry has lied to you yeah or not even in my experience, not even that, you know, you can lose all the weight, but do it from a place of self-loathing and you still, when you get there, are feeling self-loathing. There's still right, things exactly. you want to change. There's still more, more, right. more, you're more, never, more. There's always more you can do and, and, you'll, and you're never going to be happy. Yeah. Unless you satisfied. start from that place of, you know, worthiness at wherever you're at. Exactly. Yeah. Ooh. Well, I feel like we got a little off topic there, but that was a lot of good information. <laughs> right, but it, this was a good one. It was. Come on. All the praise emojis for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the the double hands in the air. The yes. yes. The and it's Y and the Y A S S S S S S S. Yes. Yes. Insert Beyonce gif. Yeah. Hair flip. Hair flip. I'm really into Rihanna too lately. She's. She's yeah, right up there. She's, she's kind awesome. of, she's pretty bad too. In a good way. Bad in a good way. Good, bad. Yeah. Okay. Anything else to add ladies before we wrap it up? Nope. Where I think we covered it. I know. And we we're under, and we're under an hour. We're getting better. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Thanks ladies. Thanks for joining. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening today. 
If you aren't a member already, Jen, Lauren, and I would love to invite you to join our free private Facebook community of nearly 40,000 women worldwide. It's a great place to ask questions and get support. You can find us on Facebook at Healthy Habits, Happy Moms. If you enjoyed what you heard today and need more support, check out our popular habit coaching program, Balance 365, at balance365.co. And if you really like what you heard today, we'd appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes so we can continue to bring you more amazing episodes. Thank you. Thank you.